beginning. Welcome to the Grief Dreams podcast. My name is Sean Ram alongside Dr. Joshua Black. Uh, it's a beautiful day today. Every day is beautiful when you're podcasting. And today is another special one. We get to do our Grief Dreams recap episode. If you're not familiar with it, uh, throughout the year, I guess every, say, three or four months, we kind of compile all the previous podcasts. We take a look at them and we add the dream portion where um, our guest uh, tells us about any grief dreams that they've had. And we put that all together with some music uh, and we just sit around listening to it and give a brief analysis. Josh, are you excited? I'm always excited for these ones. It's so cool because I forget. I hear so many dreams from people that I forget some of them were on the podcast and what they were. So I always love this. And I think it's great for listeners, if they're new to the show, to listen to these. And then if they like the guest or what they talked about, they can go back and then listen to that full episode. All right. So our first guest is Molly Schultz. Uh, she appears on episode 82 and she'll tell us about a grief dream that she's had. So she's a stay-at-home mom of five kids under the age of six, and her dad was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer just a few months after her twins were born. Uh, so I want to go to now, have you ever had any dreams of your father since he died? I have. Um, one of the, the first dreams I had was he walked me down the aisle in the same church that his funeral was held in. And it's interesting because we eloped to Kauai, so he never walked me down the aisle. So for me, that dream was so monumental in my grief. I think it happened two or three months after he passed away. And so that dream was such a big deal for me. And I, you know, I truly believe that it, it actually happened, that um, he did walk me down the aisle. And the whole time he was walking me down, we talked about heaven and how he was feeling and how he was doing and, and how happy he was and how at peace he was. and. And so once we got to the end of the altar, I woke up. And so I don't remember anything after that. Or he actually kissed me on my cheek and then I woke up. And so it was, it just gives me goosebumps still because it was so important for me, I feel like, that I needed it. And it was just beautiful. Wow. Wow. That's such a beautiful, like, image. Like, that's like the, I think, yeah. like one of the moments, if I was a father, one of the, the moments, the best moments would be walking, you know, it's giving the, you know, like walking your daughter down the aisle and then giving her away sort of thing, like that tradition. Like there's something very significant about that. And for you to have that imagery, I think they're just so beautiful. And for him to talk about heaven, so like you knew he was dead, you know, he was telling you about heaven. That's so interesting. Right, right. Yeah, and, it, yeah, I totally knew he was, he was dead. And um, I don't know, it was just, it was so crazy, but it was so cool at the same time. Yeah, I, I love that. Like that's, it's creating a new memory. It's creating an, something now special that like a gift that you have moving forward, you know, like whether something is in a dream or, or almost reality, like you think the, the brain, brain processes are, are the same. You, you've now stored it somewhere in your brain, you know, um, and now you can tap into that anytime. And it's like something as ritualistic and special like that as well, because you know aspects of you know he you guys eloped so you think you guys didn't get that opportunity to share that amazing special moment but now you have in right after life you've got this memory now you can hold on to it and get that feeling with any time just like like it really actually happened while he was alive so that that's incredible to me and 
that's exciting. That's exciting. Yeah, yeah, it, it definitely is one of, you know, I feel like he actually did. And people sometimes think I'm a little crazy for that, but I don't care because I know that it made me feel good. And um, the, the only other dream that I remember him in. Well, hold on, was, hold on, hold on. I want to, <laughs> this dream's so good. We can't just skip over it. <laughs> <laughs> I think, and your comment too of, you know, people not allowing you to believe it was a visitation. I think, you know, it, it deserves some airtime because it, you know, some people aren't as courageous as you to say, no, it was. Um, and they'll say, maybe it wasn't. And then they'll trust their, um, the people around them, or whatever. But I think it's amazing um, because it was so comforting to you that, you know, you could stand true to what you believe in and have that courage that Sean was telling, uh, telling us about before. Um, but to have the courage to believe that it was and like, cause that can bring so much comfort. Like I'm listening to that. I'm like, wow. I'm like, that brings so much comfort to me if I had a dream similar to that. To see my, especially, and you saw him healthy, which is very unique because you saw him dying. Like your last memory of him was dying. Like he was, he probably looked like death. But um, in the dream, he was healthy and he was smiling. And you know, like for someone who's, you're spiritual, for someone who's spiritual, like what more could you want? You know, as Sean was saying, as a memory, to sort of realize that, you know, what you believe to be true about life after death is true. And, you know, that that would comfort me uh, hugely. Could you speak on like how that, you know, just how that helped you in your belief of the afterlife? And does also anyone else in your family believe you? Or is it, are you the only one that has this sort of belief about your dream? Um. So my sister and brother think I'm crazy. My, I think my mom thinks I'm a little crazy too. Shout out um, to your family. But, <laughs> <but> yeah. <laughs> it's my line. <laughs> I show people out. Uh, it was so funny. My husband, my husband believes it. And I, you know, part of me is like, does he believe it because he believes it? Or does he believe it because it makes me feel good? So he wants me to feel good and he'll just agree to it. I don't know. But, um, you know, it, it was so comforting and I, it does give me a lot of comfort about the afterlife and seeing him again and being able to visit other people that I leave behind and give them that memory as well and stuff like that. So for me, it was just more of a solidifying reason to believe in it um, and believe wholeheartedly in it. Cause I thought, I think I always felt like it, 95% a thing but after that dream I was like oh yeah it's 100% like I'm all in you know yeah. and um, yeah you know, and I think we'll give your family a little bit of benefit of the doubt. We won't be too hard on them because, you know, they didn't get that feeling you got, right? Like, and I think the feeling's a key key thing here is, you know, I've had a grief dream recently and the feeling is almost the main substance of it because without the feeling, how important would that memory be, right? Like, it's just, it's it's all a part of it. So right. hopefully they hopefully they can eventually have their own uh, grief dreams and get those feelings because the number one thing people say the one number one thing I you know what I've said is that the feeling makes it real the feeling almost like it goes hand in hand with that aspect of it being a real memory and, and that's the key I think and, and the importance of that and you know I, I, again like if it, hopefully they can get one to, to feel that as well what an amazing dream that Molly shared man that's so cool and I also love the the stuff that we added afterwards when we talked about some people thinking you're crazy for having these dreams and you know it's not the case and i really i like how this was a part of it because i get that a lot where people uh, don't want to talk about these dreams or if they do uh, 
people think they're you know kind of crazy so at the end of the day she's not crazy you're not crazy if you're listening to this and you're having dreams um, it's just part of the, the grief journey our next dream is by Shea Biddle and she is a spiritual grief coach and her dream is of her mom that passed away that's interesting and so I'm curious now said so you had some dreams on your journey so could you talk about your dreams and maybe how they um, helped you or hindered you into finding your way yeah so when like immediately after my mom had passed away i stopped dreaming and being an avid dreamer who's been you know logging her dreams since she was 12 i thought that i was broken like i thought that like this grief thing had crushed me and broken me to the point to where like my brain was broken so like i could no longer recall dreams and uh so that kind of turned into an identity crisis for me <laughs> a little bit, uh, maybe in a good way. But it was just really, really tough for me because everything that I was used to or that was normal in my world kind of wasn't there. I would like call people and be like, I'm not dreaming. And they're like, I don't ever dream. Like, I don't understand why this is upsetting you. I'm like, you just don't get it. <laughs> like, I like, this is like ruining my life. <laughs> they just thought I was a little bit crazy over it. And maybe emotions were a little bit heightened. But the first night I had a dream, um, I was still living and working in North Carolina after my mom had passed away. And I had what at the time I thought was a visitation dream, but soon after realized it wasn't. And I'll I'll tell you how I got to that conclusion. Um, But the dream was really weird to where it was like, there was no floor, no walls, no ceiling, and every, the surrounding was black. And my mom was in front of me and I was like so excited when I saw her and I was like, oh my gosh, mom, I've missed you so much. I have so much to ask you. Like, I need to talk to you. Like, I need advice about work and I don't know what to do at work. And like, I'm just so miserable here. Like, I'm so glad you came to visit me. And like, I kind of like just spilled all this stuff. And then like, she didn't respond. And I was like, can she not hear me? She's not, she's not responding to me. And like, I moved forward to hug her and it felt like there was something between us that I could not get to her. And I woke up immediately crying hysterically. I felt like crap about myself. I just was so devastated that I was so close to my mom, but it felt even further away and even worse. Like to have my mom dangled in front of me like that and then like not be able to talk or speak to her or hear her really soul crushing for me and I like thought that maybe like that's how visitation dreams are (laughs) to an extent but um I know that I've had this conversation before but it for me that like really helped me realize that like I was not coping I was running away from my grief I was doing anything to avoid the feelings or like deal with the reality that she wasn't here and something about that dream kind of shook me up and was like something clicked in my brain where I was like oh my gosh my dreams are back maybe if I start working on things in my real life I can get my dreams back and like maybe I can find a way to meet her in my dreams so that was really the motivation and like I started going to therapy I started like dealing with things in my life because I had this hope maybe I could meet with my mom in my dreams anytime I wanted to and so the dream I didn't dream again for a couple months after that and 
I, the very, very, very next dream I had um, was what I now feel was my visitation dream with my mom. And in the dream, I was at work and I was just so fed up and I was crying in my office. And so I walked out into the parking lot crying and I looked up and my mom was right there in front of me. And like, it makes me tear up because it was just such a good dream. But she was right there in front of me and she was like, I was like, I just can't do anything right. I'm just not good enough. And she just like looked at me and was like, you're doing everything you can. You're doing everything right. I love you so much and I'm here. And I woke up crying my eyes out in like the best way. And like the feelings that came with that are the feelings that were exact opposite of the other dream. And that's how I know that like she was there visiting me. Whereas the first dream was like, more of a reflection of my grief and like more of like showing me where I was um and like I just wish I could take that feeling of that dream and put it in a jar and give it out to everybody for free because that dream just really changed everything for me it changed my entire life wow that's so wow that's wild and it's amazing you had those two dreams and you could separate them and because some people can't you know and it's nice how now there is like this uh, this podcast where you know like you're you're sharing like there's a difference in the sense of understanding where you are in your waking life uh, and the emotions that come from these dreams. And so, where was this last dream that you shared in your spiritual journey? So that was the very first thing that happened for me. So that was before I tried the blue experiment. Oh yeah, so that's um, and so that blue experiment had similar feelings but way less intense for me. It was a very mild like tap on the shoulder versus like this dream was like, like overflowing. I don't, there's not even a word to describe it. I guess those (laughs) who had grief dreams understand. (laughs) Yeah, I think that's the power of these grief dreams um, that people can have. And it, it surprises me, the the impact it can have on someone's life. And I said, you can't explain it through words. It's just, there's this feeling that you've never felt. And the best way I've always put it, there's like this love that occurred within yourself that you just has been, you know, been able to find on your own. <laughs> yeah. And so, and you know, I, and I think too, the, um, I, I want to ask, what, do you think that dream helped you or increased your desire to form a spiritual belief? Like after that, because I know some people, they aren't spiritual and they'll have one of these, I guess, powerful dreams and then they'll look for religion because now they believe in an afterlife. So do you think that was maybe a catalyst for you? And if maybe that wasn't around, it'd be very difficult for you to have found your, your way? Yeah, it was absolutely a catalyst because at that point I was still in the angry with a God if there is one kind of feeling. So having that dream, I guess, gave me hope that like our loved ones are never truly gone. I don't need to ever know where or how or any of it works, but like having that dream gave me permission to seek my mom or permission that like I can somehow find ways to like keep her in my life or like gave me permission that it's okay to talk to her. Like maybe she is somewhere. So yeah, that dream definitely brought me to the journey of seeking that I have been on but also that dream did things for me that I didn't realize until almost a year later that like that dream gave me permission to like 
choose happiness. I think like before I had that dream and my grief, I forgot what it felt like to be happy or to laugh or to like feel any kind of good emotion. Like I was almost punishing myself in my grief. And that was definitely a lot of the woulda, coulda, shoulda stuff. Um, but that dream like gave me the permission to like choose things that feel good. And like, I don't have to stay stuck. It gave me permission to like, you know, maybe I could quit a job and choose something that makes me happy. And maybe I could help other people right exactly where I am because there's people who maybe are behind me a step or two on this journey. And so that dream really was the changer for me all around. All right, so our uh, our last question, uh, wrap up the podcast is, uh, I know you know you know what this is, but it's uh, if you could have a dream tonight of your mom, what would that look like to you? Oh man, I'm so excited! <laughs> so I would go camping, exactly the age I am right now, the age my mom would be right now as well, to go camping, you know, at our spot, hike up to the waterfall, and to sit and just talk about like I just want to have that one last conversation because you know that last conversation for me was one way and so I would love for the dream to be me and my mom sitting in our spot just having like you know the last conversation and hearing like you know how things are going or like you know her commentary on my life and oh it'd be so amazing I can like picture it now. <laughs> That's cool. And what do you think, you know, because it's your mom, she's got to throw in something, right? To like just uh, irk you or to tease you a little bit. What do you think she'd bring up right now? For sure. She'd be like, I can't believe you haven't had any babies by now. Like, <laughs> Where are them babies? <laughs> Where are the babies at? That's like, that would probably literally be the first thing she would say. And then I'd be like, Mom, come on. We're going to have a serious conversation. She'd be like, Okay, but I'm proud of you. You're doing such a good job. That's how that would end up going. <laughs> I, I like that. And I, I also was picturing her asking again, But don't you want these babies? And since it's a dream, she brings up like, you know, 100 babies for you to look at. <laughs> like, <laughs> of you. You don't know, you want like, one that of these? Yeah. <laughs> Like, that mom, would I just not surprise to me all. <laughs> like a whole sea of children, like a thousand. Just pick one. It's okay. Yeah, that's just, right. Yeah, just yeah, pick just any pick of them. <laughs> You'll like it. Trust me. Just pick one. <laughs> that is exactly how the dream would go. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. That's funny. Well, hopefully you uh, you get a, <laughs> a wild dream like that. And um, is there something? Because I always like to do like one another question. Is there is there something that you know she wore? that represented her or would you want to be in like a white flowing dress or something oh no i hope she'd be in like jeans and muddy hiking boots and like a tank top and her hair to be like as crazy as ever that's what i would hope for <laughs> cool it's cool wow it's amazing so at the end of the we're at the end of the podcast but thank you so much for coming on it was a real pleasure for me to actually hear about your journey uh, and your stories and, you know, how you've come through and, and figured out, you know, your spiritual development and finding peace in your life and, and you know, is it asking some of the tough questions and searching for answers. I think that's amazing and takes a lot of courage to go where I guess I, no one, no man has gone before, but none of your family members have gone before and to really search your own path. And I think that's a very beautiful quality of, of your life. Awesome. That was Shea Biddle from episode 83. If you have a chance, you can check that podcast out. 
and uh, really cool conversation with her talking about spirituality and dreams and uh, her uh, not getting a grief dream to start with, but eventually, um, you know, through her own efforts, getting one. Uh, so amazing stuff. So next we have Dr. Samit Kumar from episode 86. And Dr. Samit is a clinical psychologist who has worked with adults who have cancer as well as their caregivers and families for nearly 20 years. So he spent a lot of time in the bereavement field. Enjoy. So it's been two and a half years. So have you had a dream of your mom since then? Yes. Yes, I've had uh, quite a few of them. And, uh, you know, of course, with my interest in things, I was sort of like, Maybe tonight's the night. You know, maybe tonight's the night. Tonight, I'm going to dream about her tonight, right? Yeah. You know, so I know all these lucid dreaming techniques, and I was trying to like, you know, come on, come on, come on. And you know, I found that at least for me, I couldn't rush it. It was. Uh, it took about six months. Um, let's see. Actually, it took a little bit less. For me, it took about three and a half months. And I find that that's the case for many people: is that there's a lag time between the loss and they may have a dream in the first week or two, but then there's, there tends to be a lull, and it's three to six months before they'll have another dream or remember another dream. Yeah. <clears throat> and at, at that point, at least for me, what happens is that they're infrequent, but so meaningful when they happen. Yeah, no, like I see that a lot too, right? And that's funny because my first dream of my father came about three months after. So yeah, like there is that lag. And people, you say like people get worried or the other big thing is people don't share it um, with family members because they think they may have been the only one. <laughs> and so yeah. they hide it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, fortunately, my, my sisters and I all, having been raised by my mom, we were very open-minded to this stuff. So we've, oh, cool. it's strange, you know, through, we live hundreds and hundreds of miles apart and we each, all of us seem to all have our bad weeks at the same time. It's really weird. <laughs> all these years later. That's interesting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so uh, what was your most memorable dream that you had of your mom so far? I'm, I'm just kind of going over them in my mind. And I think they're, you know, I think one in terms of the, the dream imagery that I found to be the richest was um, there was a, a long table set up for for like a holiday meal, um, like a Thanksgiving type of meal or Christmas Eve dinner or something like that. But it was at a crossroads near our house where there's a traffic circle that's round. So this table was set up at this crossroads near the house and she was there sitting at the head of the table. And like my family came for this meal and I was just so excited to see her there so happy to see her there and there was this radiant quality to her this kind of luminescent almost quality to her and it wasn't like this you know oh she's alive and everything's fine and I'm dreaming about those days it was a I'm experiencing being in her presence wherever she's at right now kind of feeling there was this I think the part that really stands out isn't the visual imagery. It's the sense of feeling connected to her again, that I, I'm kind of struggling for the words to describe this, but when you're with somebody, there's a sense of being in their presence that you experience on a physical level, that when you no longer experience that anymore, you know what it's like, 
and being able to experience that again in the dream of being body to body present, even though it's dreaming, is just so refreshing in a way. Like, ah, I can, I'm around her presence again. That sense of being in her presence is in every dream I've had of her. But that one just stands out, this idea of being at a feast. And food was such a big deal to her. She's such a good cook. And, you know, being at this feast, at this crossroads with her, was just really, really, was really cool. Wow, I'm glad you had so many of these, you know, beautiful images of your mom. And you're right, that present, that feeling. It's it's hard to explain. And, and when I try to explain to people who never had one of these dreams, like an academic, <laughs> some, some academics, mm-hmm. why are you studying this? Um, they just don't understand, right? Like how powerful it can be. Um, but there's something yeah. beyond the image. There's a feeling that you just can't really explain. That's amazing. Yeah, I, mean, I think uh, there may be some research in this that I don't recall. Um, but I think these kind of big dreams, they cross over into a multi-sensory experience, you know? Like when you're dreaming, it's usually a visual mental thing, at least for me. But then when you can smell something or you can experience the tactile sensations or, you know, you hear words being spoken to you in a meaningful way and you cross over into this multi-sensory realm, they, they sort of are like, whoa, this is a big deal. I need to pay attention. Yeah. You know? Yeah. There's something here. And you, and so like a lot of times, like they're very comforting. Um, there's some negative dreams yeah. people have, but like this, uh, the comforting images with, with the deceased. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just, it's, it's so powerful. It's so powerful. I know Carl Jung even had his own um, with his wife. So uh, that passed away. So it's, yeah, it's, it's wild. And so it's, it's great. You, uh, you had that. What was your mom wearing in that dream? Because she was very luminous. Was she wearing like her normal clothes or was it like? No, she was, so she, she was a scientist and she went to work at a university. Um, and so she would wear kind of Western clothes for that, um, in all the dreams I've had of her, though, she's wearing a sari, a traditional Indian sari. Oh, and not right. a very fancy one, just one of her favorite ones. Um, oh, I think cool. it was very soft, soft material, very comfortable for her. Um, so in all the dreams I've had of her, she's wearing a traditional sari that she would wear to the temple or to you know Indian gatherings and things like that. Oh, that's so interesting. Yeah. Wow. That's pretty cool. And did your mom ever talk about did she ever have a dream of her parents or her family that died? I don't recall her ever mentioning that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Because you'd think, right? Like she's, she seemed like she, she's the type of person who would rally, value these dreams. So you'd think, yeah. and you know, it's hard because like, un- unless you ask, people tend not to share. And so that's a very interesting you know, thing. I wonder if yeah, she did. I mean, it was, yeah. yeah, that whole period of her life was so painful. She, um, yeah, you could tell it was all she ever thought about sometimes, but mm. she didn't really like to talk about it a whole lot. And uh, once a year, we would do a puja for her parents and her brother uh, who had died around the time of year that it happened. And that's when she would open up to me about what happened and kind of debrief with me every year mm. and always adding a little more detail than she had the year before. I think I remember her saying something about her having a dream at one point, but I don't remember any details from it. I think it was when she was still a kid. Mm. Um, yeah it's, it's interesting she especially had nightmares for years i know she had nightmares for years i'm not yeah. sure those are grief dreams those are definitely traumatic dreams yeah the um what the research is finding too like some of my research is finding yeah the trauma if the death is traumatic 
you'll definitely, um, it's associated with more negative dreams. So I've seen the disease dying again, reenactments, so the PTSD stuff. And yeah, yeah it's just, it's a part of dreaming of the disease. Like it's another little like pie slice of some of the dreams people are having and trying to understand right. why are they having these negative ones and other people are having these positive ones. But yeah, like right. telling about her story, they may have been negative. So like why share that, right? Like, <laughs> right. You don't really want right. to relive that that moment. That's so interesting. Wow. Oh, it's okay. So our final question is wrapping up now is uh, if you could have a dream tonight um, mm -hmm. of your mother, what would that dream mm -hmm. look like? You know, it's kind of loops right back to what I was saying earlier. Um, it would loop back to another one of the most powerful dreams I had with her. We were just having an ordinary day. It was mm. just an ordinary Saturday or Sunday. I was bringing my kids over. We were going to eat some of her delicious food and hang out <clears throat> hang out and watch some indian movies maybe and then go back home oh that's cool um i would love to be able to do that one more time wow what movie would you be watching would it be like an unreleased movie or something do you have your favorite probably one? probably some sort of an action movie that i have two boys and they were um 11 and 8 when she died and so it would be some sort of action cop movie, you know, with some totally unrealistic action scenes that Indian movies are really good at doing. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, okay. those are like just the great days, those ordinary days. Are so <laughs> great. Great. Yeah. I like that. I like that. You know, like I get a glimpse into sort of one of your memories of her and like how how much it meant to you to be able to do that, to bring your, your children over to her. Did you want her to be the age she died at, or do you want her to be younger? Because a lot of people who have these dreams have their deceased younger. Um, she is usually the age she was. Uh, oh, no. Maybe a couple years younger, but not too much younger. Mm. Um, yeah. That's cool. Yeah, I always sort of find I mean, that. She, she didn't look her age, I should add. Oh. She did not look her age, so she looked a lot younger than she was. Uh, she was 80, but she looked about 65 to most people. So, uh, gotta be the secret of meditation. <laughs> well, I think it was meditation. She used to do a lot of yoga. Um, she ate mostly vegetarian, home cooked Indian food. Wow. And, uh, you know, she stayed out of the sun because she had a, a basal cell uh, skin, skin cancer many years ago. And that she hadn't been out in the sun, like, you know. She didn't go out of her way to go to the beach. I'll put it that way. Um, after that happened, so. Wow. Well, she seems like an amazing woman. I'm glad you had her as a mother. <laughs> yeah, That's me too. Sweet. Yeah, because a lot of parents yeah. would, wouldn't have taught um, their children meditation at such a young age, or bring people in, and you know, and, and basically help shape you to to look at you know what makes someone deceitful or what makes someone loving and, and more real when it comes to understanding truth. So. You know, she was like providing you some guidance there. Once again, another powerful dream from someone. I'm glad he went in such detail about it. And also he pointed out sort of what she was wearing, how it was different than what she normally wore in waking life. I thought that's really cool. And also what dream he wants to have. So those are really powerful stuff. And if you're new to the podcast, we always ask those questions. What dream people want to have uh, at the end of each episode. Next, we have Joanne McCall. She runs Media Positioning Consultations, which helps people to become media darlings. Here, she's going to talk about some grief dreams. This is episode 87. Have you had a dream of your sister or your dad since they died? Oh, many. Yes. 
really? Yes, like yes. so Recently you have too. <laughs> oh, so many. What were some of the more more memorable ones to you on your journey? Well, you know, my 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 mother died when I 25 years ago and she came to me in a dream 6 months after she passed away and she had been very sick. I'd only known her really as as not well. And when she came to me in my dream, she was completely healthy, completely vibrant, shining. I didn't recognize her at first. I said, Mom, yes. And it was just like, I couldn't believe it. It was so, it was so profound to me that, I don't know if you'll understand this, Joshua, but for two days, it was like my whole past changed. For two days, I felt kind of dizzy and like all my memories were being affected by this new piece of information that she was actually healthy. I don't know if that makes any sense, but anyway, so she told me she was fine. Um, I had a dream of my sister, well, my other sister Janet had this dream uh, about a year after my sister Joyce passed away, and in her dream, Joyce put her hand on her forehead and said, I'm not coming back. And it was, that's when it really hit Janet that she was gone. So that was, uh, that was pretty powerful. And then I just had a dream with my, my, my dad came to me about a week ago and he was, our, we had an old neighbor. I was like four years old and I remembered this neighbor that I hadn't thought of in years. And he said, we have to go visit Mrs. Jones. And I said, we do? And he says, yes. So I jumped in the car. It was this big old Cadillac with the top down, and we went to go find Mrs. Jones. I wish I could tell you it was something really profound, but that was the dream. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes it's the simple sort of dreams that mean stuff to us, right? And it's just unique. Uh, well, how old was your dad in that dream? Was it the age where he died, or was he younger? Oh, he was younger. He was probably about 30. Oh, no way. Isn't That's that funny? Wild. It is, yeah. Because in the dream, were you the age you are now, or were you younger? I don't know. It'd be interesting if was... your dad was younger than you. <laughs> he might have been. Wow. He yeah, might have been. I think he, he might have been. Yeah, he might have been. I had thought about it at the time, but um, yeah, he might have been. Dreams are a funny thing. Of course, you know all about that. <laughs> yeah, I do. <laughs> yeah, that's it's your nice thing. It's nice that you've had these experiences, and I'm guessing, like, did they bring you comfort along your along the journey? You know, one thing that I can say is in the dreams that I've had, a couple in particular that I remember, I, I remember feeling a really, really warm embrace and just feeling the deep love that I had for them and that they had for me. And I woke up, I remember waking up with that feeling of that deep love which told me they're still with me and that was powerful yeah the question we like to wrap up the uh, podcast with is if you could have a dream of someone or all the people that have died um, tonight what dream would you want to have I saw something on Facebook once where uh, someone posted it was probably going around but it was a picture of a bench and the question was, if you could sit down with the person most important to you for a half hour, what would you say? And I would like to have a dream where I could sit down with each person and tell them, you know, what's really in my heart. All those things that I didn't necessarily say when they were here and with me uh, because I was too busy thinking nothing would ever change. 
and not realizing that things would change. Um, so I would like to have dreams where I could sit down and, and just open my heart and tell them face to face and, and get another big hug. That's what I would like. That's yeah. nice. No, I like that. And there's, there's something beautiful about like in these dreams where we receive love and feel love. There's something else too about speaking love to others because, you know, I think you're absolutely right. I know in my life, um, there's moments if the person would have died, I was like, oh man, I should have told them how much like I cared about them and what they mean to me. Cause those moments, you know, like we don't, something don't take advantage of those enough. Um, just to remind people what they mean to us. And that's what you're talking about because you never know when they can go. Um, and you never know how it can even affect you be able to express that love to someone. That's right. That's right. Uh, and you know, and it's funny cause in life, you can get irritated by people. I mean, you know, we all irritate each other at times. And, you know, uh, some family members get estranged to each other. And, I mean, all kinds of things can go on. And I understand how complex that can be and how you maybe don't want to be close to someone because they did you wrong and all of that. But the truth is, there is an end to all of it. Uh it's not something we face until really we lose somebody. But once once they're gone, you can talk to them in your heart and all of that. But you're never going to have them standing in front of you where you can say these things. So as long as you, like if you have your parents, call them and tell them or go see them and tell them how much you love them. I'd give anything if I could do that. I really would. Um, so do it. Do it. Let them know, you know, how much you love them. It's really important. I like that. And hopefully your kids, do you have kids? You have kids, right? Yeah. Yeah. So hopefully your kids hear this podcast and <laughs> tell you how much they love you. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so that's, that's amazing. Right. I, think, I think that's a great point. And it's something that, you know, this week, if people can, to take that time to, you know, voice your love to people and voice your appreciation to them because, you know, you may need to say it and they may need to hear it because people forget real easy. You know, like, it's funny. Oh, yeah. I tell it. I think I told my mom maybe like a couple months ago, you know, like I guess, you know, I just have a one-on-one with her and I said how much, you know, I appreciate her and what she's done for me in my life. She started crying. I'm like, why are you crying? Like, did you forget? Like, <laughs> I told you this like a couple of years ago. Or, um, but it's just funny. People people need it though, right? Like, because our mind is a funny thing and it's not that, it's not like we get these positive things coming at us all the time. So um, voicing your love to others and appreciation can really benefit, you know, everyone involved. Oh, you're a good kid. <laughs> that's a good thing to do yeah that's what i was going nice. for <laughs> thank you joanne for coming on and sharing that that was a great episode and so next we have episode 89 with megan divine and she is a writer speaker and grief advocate and she's going to be talking about a dream she had of her husband and so a lot of the dreams that i had in the early days were um matt would come back but he wouldn't know he was dead and i had to tell him he was dead over and over and over in so many different scenarios, so many different scenarios. And because I, I tend to um, think and speak and breathe in imagery, the imagery was really intense. And having to tell that story, having to tell my beloved over and over again, not just once a night, but many times a night, you died. We're not going to dinner tonight because you're dead. Do you not remember what happened? Over and over and over. And I know enough to know that I was telling myself 
that story in my dream. But that's intense. That that really um, is so complex, right? There's a there's a, a blessing in there of seeing his face, and a nightmare in there of having to say those words. It's interesting, as you're saying, like sitting in the pain, and that's a very painful statement to say to someone you love. Thank you, Megan, for sharing that dream. Uh, it was a difficult one. Not all dreams are positive, but she shares a lot of pretty interesting insights into that. And uh, thank you for that. It takes a lot of courage. And uh, I'd like to th- take this opportunity to thank everyone who shared dreams. Um, like I said before, it takes courage to do that, especially on a podcast. And we definitely appreciate that here. Our next guest, uh, next dream that we'll be sharing is from Sandra Roman. Sandra appears on episode 90. She lost her son, Matthew, on a very tragic uh, cruise ship accident. Uh, Yeah, very difficult loss. But uh, thank you for sharing, Sandra, some beautiful dreams. uh, And I hope everybody enjoys these. All right, so let's uh, share share the dreams. I'm really curious. <laughs> okay, so um, every parent, if they've ever lost a child, actually, I would say even um, spouse or husband, we long for that dream. Everybody waits for those dreams that of their deceased person that they love so much. You just want to see them or hear them. So I think that's very common that we all wish for that. So other people were having those, and I wasn't. And that was hard. It's like, how could this possibly be? We were so close. There's no possible way he's going to other people and not me. So my youngest daughter had the first one, Mackenzie, and she calls me right away to tell me, Mom, I had a dream of Matt. And we were at a bonfire, and we were both standing there, and all of a sudden I turned and I saw it was my brother. And Jules and I jumped on his back and said, Brother, brother, it's you. Where have you been? And he's like, what are you talking about? I'm right here. I'm right here. And then he turned turned around and she started to follow him and she woke up. And she said, it was so weird, but I feel like he was trying to tell me that he's here, that he's still here, because he was so surprised. And I'm like, oh, that's so beautiful. How come you had that? I want one of those. <laughs> still, I didn't have one. And then a very good friend of mine who lives in it, um, Savannah, Georgia, sent me a message on Messenger. Now, I haven't seen her in eight years. She hasn't seen my son in eight years. And she says, I had a dream this weekend, and I need to tell you, I'm not sure if this is going to mean anything to you or not, but I feel like I need to share. You and I were in a garden, a rose garden, and we were talking about Matthew and what happened to him. And in your hand, you had a necklace. And she said, the necklace looked like a rosary but it wasn't a rosary it was a necklace but it was like wooden beads in a in a cross she was and it looked like it was made with a hemp with some type of a hemp string of some kind and i asked you what is this necklace and why are you holding this and you said you wear it at night and it helps you to dream of matt and that's all the dream was and i woke up and i don't know if that means anything to you or not but i just thought i'd share so I read her message. I was like, oh my God. On my rear view mirror in my car is what she described to a T. 
So I took it off and took a picture and sent it to her, and then I called her. I'm like, I can't even believe you just described this. This was Matthew's. He used to wear it, and now I've had it hanging on my rearview mirror for the last five months. <laughs> so I'm going to take this advice from this dream, and I'm going to start wearing the necklace. <laughs> I hadn't been wearing it. <laughs> and so I, I, I did that, and um, she also... She's into meditation and yoga, and she told me kind of how to do that. And she said, I really feel that Matthew's trying to connect with you, but you're so deep in your grief that you can't hear from him. So I think what you should try doing is meditate um, before you go to sleep. Don't lay down. Do it sitting up because otherwise you'll fall asleep. (laughs) And just clear your mind. And, you know, so I started doing that with some essential oils and putting things on in my room like that and wearing the necklace and... So then about a month later, I had my first dream, and it was um, very brief. He was, you know, beautiful and handsome, and I'm like, oh, my God, baby, it's you, and I hug him, and he's like, Mom, I got to tell you something, and I go out, and he goes, do you know what? Do you know why I love you so much? And I said, why? And he goes, because you believe in me. I'm like, well, of course I do. He goes, no, you don't get it. You really, really believe in me. I'm like, yes, of course I do, honey. I do. I do believe in you. He said, no, you really believe in me. I'm like, yes. And then I woke up and it was just like real quick. I'm like, what was that? But, you know, I woke up, I cried. I wanted to get back to the dream because I wanted there to be more. I wanted to see more. I wanted to hear more. Why were you telling me this? Well, at the time, we were still waiting on his autopsy. So this is six months after he passed away. Still hadn't gotten it. And there was some speculation, oh, maybe he was doing drugs, maybe something happened like that. And so I'm asking all his buddies, like, you guys, you promised, just tell me it's okay. If it did, I'm not mad. If something happened, I just want to know the truth. I mean, and they're like, no, Sandra, this did nothing like that. He would never do that. He wouldn't do this. He wouldn't do that. He drank, but no, he didn't do any drugs. I'm like, okay, not that I'm judging. I don't care. I just please tell me the truth. And they kept telling me no. And I'm like, all right. I believe that, but, you know, some of the other people on the other side were his dad, one of them. I think there's something they're not telling you. I think they know more than they're not, you know. And I kept telling his dad, no, that's not true. Matthew wouldn't do that. So I feel like it was almost him thanking me for believing him and, you know, sticking up for him. Of course, when his autopsy finally came, there was no trace of drugs. He was not on any drugs or nothing like that. So <laughs> that was good. So um, to the final dream, that was the life-changing one, was um, a year after he passed away, about actually 13 months. So during the first 13 months, his father got cancer. He got um, liver cancer. Again, cancer comes on out of the blue. Most of the time, none of us know, so we don't expect it. But six months after his son dies, his only child, um, his his dad gets his liver cancer and um, just deteriorated pretty quickly but was on chemo and things like that. And so my girls went to go visit him. They had just seen him. He had called me and told me about their visit. We talked for like an hour. He he sounded good. He was starting a new chemo um, the following Monday, very optimistic, saying he was going to have my youngest, Mackenzie, come and um, 
stay with him or offered that she could come there and go to college and for free and not pay for anything. And so it was really a good conversation. There wasn't any impending, like I'm dying or anything like that. It was just, you know, I'm, I'm optimistic. I got this new treatment going on. A couple of days after this, I have the, the real dream of Matt. And so he comes in my dream this time and he is, the way I can describe is just happy, healthy, whole. He was beautiful and he was hugging me and he was just, just happy to see me and he's like I'm like come here baby come here I want to hug you oh my god I've missed you so much he's like mom guess what I said what he says my dad's coming I'm like what because in your dream in your dream you don't really realize what's going on in you know your wake life you know you're like what what are you talking about okay come back here and I'm like trying to like change the subject because I don't want to talk about his dad I want to talk about you and me and you know I want to know how it is where you are and, you know, things like that. And he's like, no, no, Mom, you don't get it. My dad's coming. I'm like, okay, honey. And he had these masks in his hand, and he kept putting masks on, like funny Mardi Gras-type masks. And I'm like, why are you being so silly? Why are you doing that? And he'd laugh, and then he'd take the mask off again, and then he'd hug me again, and I'm just telling him, oh, my God, I've missed you. You're just so beautiful. And he goes, Mom, I'm so excited. My dad's coming. So again, this was like three times that he said it. I'm like, okay, all right, honey. And suddenly, again, I, there's no goodbye, but I wake up. And you're like, oh, no. <laughs> no, don't, I don't want it to be over. Um, anyway, so I fall back to sleep trying to get back to it. You don't. I get up about 8 in the morning, and I go get my oil changed. And I um, totally had forgotten I even had a dream. And I'm talking to a friend on the phone, and I'm like, Oh my gosh, I just remembered. I had a dream about Matt this morning. Like, oh, really? Finally? I'm like, yeah, it was so cool. It was the best dream. He was so handsome and happy. And I feel like he's okay and he's in a good place because he was so happy. And in fact, you know what's weird? He told me that his dad was coming. And I don't know why in my dream, I was like, why would he be telling me that? I go, but he was seeing it with the excitement of a 10 year old little boy looking in the window, waiting for daddy. And he didn't say that to me, but that's the excitement that I got. The feeling I got was that he was this little child waiting for his dad to come and pick him up. And it was so cool because they had a strained relationship. And, you know, as a teenager, Matthew was really resentful that his dad didn't come to his football games. He didn't come to his baseball games. And, you know, so when his dad was trying to make amends to him as a young adult, Matthew was very bitter and didn't, he tried, but mostly at my encouragement. Um, and I'd be like, you need to, you know, reconcile with him. He's your dad. You need to, you know, forgive him. And he would talk to him and he would see him, but very reluctantly. So for him to be excited in his dream, to be happy that his dad was coming with so much excitement showed me that there's so much love and forgiveness there's no more anger there's no more bitterness there's no i'm mad at him uh, none of that and i realized that oh my god he knows what's going on with my life here on earth i mean he knows what's happening with me here in the present that means he's still here i can't see him but that means his spirit is still here because he could tell me something was going on Oh, back up. Um, I forgot this part. 
So while I'm on the phone with my friend, his my ex-husband's my ex's wife called me and tells me that he passed away. I just called to tell you that Myron passed away two hours ago. So while I was having the dream, it was probably about an hour before his dad had passed away. So yeah, when when I got that, so I actually was talking to a friend when that came through, already telling them about the dream when I got the call that he passed away. Thank you, Sandra, for sharing your grief dreams. Uh, you can really hear the love in her voice that she has for her son, Matthew, passed away. And it was really interesting, uh, especially with the last one about Matthew coming back and actually pretty much kind of telling Sandra about his father joining him and her father ended up actually passing away the next day uh so pretty pretty wild stuff and um you know and i imagine very special for sandra to have those dreams so our next next guest who shared dreams with us uh was Haley harris bloom and she appears on episode 91. Haley harris bloom works as a nurse in the emergency department um, and she enjoys the privilege of helping treat people during their most vulnerable times. And it's always it's always great to hear from people who are in the front lines, uh, working with people who are sick, working with people who are dying. Um, so check it out. And so have you ever had a dream of anyone who died? Yeah. Um, so I've had a couple dreams about my cousin, Nick, who I was very close to and he just kind of shows up and they're they haven't been super um significant but my friend daniel so so i'm going to give you a little bit of a background for this relationship our so there were three of us daniel rachel and i and we were all born in the month of may and all of our mothers were pregnant at the same time and friends with each other and so we grew up together like from the moment we were born and we basically had three sets of families and we did everything together all growing up. So, so Daniel, he, he passed away um, a couple of years ago. And so he's the one who I've had uh, the most significant dreams about. And I was just looking through my text messages with his mother and there's a fun dream that I'll start with. I, I texted her and so I just looked back at this and I said, I just had a dream that we were on a speedboat and Daniel was driving and my sister was there and his brother was there and we were going through the Amazon and there were monkeys all over the place and we were just all having a really good time. And so that was just kind of a fun dream. Um, yeah, which I've never been on a speedboat in the Amazon before. So oh, that's know, wild. Experience. That's, <laughs> <laughs> that's so um, funny. How'd you feel when you woke up from that dream? I was just happy. I was just yeah. like, wow. Like, that was, you know, just really happy and everybody was together. And um, I'm very close with my sister, so I just, my heart goes out so um, seriously for his brother. Um, and they were very close. And so I think having that dream and having the two of them together and the two of us together, it was just, it was just a happy, happy experience. I think it's cool uh, that you well, you had a dream, which is beautiful, but you also shared it with his mom. 
And so like, what was her reaction? Did she say I had one too? Or like, what did she say in response? You know, I actually, I should go through and see it. What she didn't respond saying that she too had a dream. I think it was something like that sounds like so much fun. Love you. <laughs> um, and I, I haven't had a conversation with her about her dreams. I know that she has had very significant dreams with um, prior loved ones who died. Um, so that's, I, I should have called her before we had this conversation. I'm sorry I didn't. Um, but she's, she knows that I'm on the podcast today and I told her to go back and listen to a couple of years. So, um, she'll definitely be listening to this. And, um, the other dream that I had about Daniel that was, um, really impactful for me was we were just like sitting, I think I was in my room on my bed and we're just sitting there and he was there and, it wasn't a, a tremendously long dream, but in the end, he hugged me. It was just like this really, you know, lovely embrace. And it made me wake up from the dream. And um, my body just felt so alive. Like every, it felt like every cell in my body was just tingling. And I felt so like, happily peaceful and it was just it was it was a dream that made me feel like he was okay and it was just yeah it really impacted me wow it seemed like there was a lot of love going on in that dream <laughs> yeah and i i know i listened to so you had a dream about your father that sounded a little bit similar just with a, an embrace yeah. as well did you have like a physical feeling when you woke up that was like in your Why? body or how did you feel well yeah like because i went to bed kind of like like moody and like there wasn't much joy but when i woke up there was this this release of all that and i was just sitting i remember just waking up and sitting at the end of my bed saying what what was that <laughs> like what yeah. what just happened because i feel totally different like and i could i just sat there like in that moment yeah. and so there's that feeling right it's and probably, you know, if I went back, it was definitely be a feeling of love, um, but also the change, how fast things can change with one dream. It was perplexing because it's been like three months of just like kind of like sorrow. And then it's like, then this happened and it regulated like happiness in my life and joy. I'm like, wait, what? Like, wait a second. Like, this is, this is so strange. And then like everyone else started sharing these dreams. So it's cool that you had a similar kind of experience where like you woke up with this like this feeling of love and also you're saying like that uh that he's okay and stuff um but those are the dreams people want like those are the dreams that you know people don't want to wake up from thank you Haley harris bloom for sharing your dreams and especially that last one was pretty touching even though it was really short um just uh, how she talks about the love that she got the warmth that she got from that dream um, which is pretty amazing next we have from episode 92 Mark Lahren Young, and Mark Lahren Young is a playwright, screenwriter, journalist, satirist, director, and author, and his latest book, The Killer Whale Who Changed the World, is a national bestseller. So enjoy. And one of our, uh, I know time's, time's short, and there's so, many, so much stuff that uh, we want to talk about, <laughs> but um, uh, we'll go with the dream. So have you ever had a dream of Granny since she passed? No, I haven't. 
yeah, haven't had any granny dreams and haven't had any Taliko dreams. I'm, I don't tend, or I probably have, but I'm really bad at remembering my dreams. <laughs> like I had a dream last night. And I thought I should write this down. I'm talking to dream guys in the morning. <laughs> and I forgot to write it down. And it's gone. Oh. Uh, so yeah, I, so I tend to have like vivid dreams. And unless I wake myself up to write something down, they vanish. That's funny. That's funny. Uh, so if you could have a dream tonight and wake up and remember it <laughs> for a long period of time, what dream would you want to have of granny or Telequa child? Oh, wow. I think I'd have to go for granny and I just anything that would take me into her world, anything that would let me hear and hear and experience the world the way she did would be amazing so i'm picturing you as a whale in that her would be pod. Cool. wouldn't that be mm. cool yeah absolutely that would be an awesome dream <laughs> i'm gonna attach some nice underwater music to this this is, this is great <laughs> go for it hey we can send you moby dolls calls if you want we've we've got recording oh now. please please do that's wild nice. and and so since you're part of her pod, what would you want to ask her that maybe you don't really know? What else can we do to help? Hmm. That's cool. Pass on some of that wisdom. Yeah. Forgive Absolutely. us, please. You messed up. Yeah, that works. <laughs> Forgive us works. Amazing. And is there a specific place you'd like to be? Like in the water and ocean? Oh, I would actually go to Saturna Island because not only is that the place they seem to hang out and the place Moby Doll was harpooned, it's the place where these orcas party. And when I was talking about impossible, you know, what's my fictionally implausible moment or one of them? I was debuting my new kid's book. I was going to test drive a chapter of my new kid's book on East Point and on Stern Island. And I was invited out to speak in the park. And this was while Talakul was grieving, while Scarlet was dying, and while I was just exhausted trying to devote all of my time to these whales while still trying to make the deadlines for all my work that pays the bills and wondering if it was doing any good. And just before I was supposed to speak, someone in the audience shouts, whale. And they're just off the cliffside, right where Moby Doll was harpooned, where this ride started for really the world and for me. I'm watching J-Pod, Moby's family, playing, and they are just partying. And I've heard this from people who watch the whales. For some reason, East Point off Saturna Island is where the whales just get their groove on. And they were breaching again and again and again. I'd, seen, I'd never seen anything like it. And this was the night I was supposed to be premiering the kids' book. And this was the night when I was going, wow, I'm about ready to drop from all the time I'm putting into Tahlequah and Scarlet. And it was hard not to look at that and go, okay, you win. You win. You own me this summer. I'm yours. So 
yeah, I'd want to be there. I'd want to be out there partying and reaching with them. Thank you, Mark, for sharing that dream that you'd like to have of Granny, the Orca. That podcast was very interesting. We learned a lot. And if you want, if you are interested in Orcas, interested in the grieving process, definitely check it out. That's episode 92. And our next one was from a person who also talked about Orca. It's a two-part series. Her name is Rain Banu. And Rain appears on episode 93 and we titled that one Orca Love Part 2. So definitely check that one out as well. Yeah, so uh, you did mention the dream. So have you, uh, Telequa, have you had a dream of Granny? No, I have not had a dream of Granny. I would like to. <laughs> but, um, but no, but I had a dream of Telequa uh, two days after my vision quest and I had started painting. And it was pretty astonishing. Should I talk about it? Of course. That's why it's, that's why we're called the Grief <laughs> Dreams Podcast. <laughs> okay. Well, it was it wasn't a long dream, but it was quite intense, and it's quite a funny. Um, it took me. I had to really think about what it meant um, before I really understood it. Essentially, the part of the dream, I, w- I was out in the water with a group of other people in a scuba suit and we were under, I was under the water and Pelico swam above all of us. I was at the end of a line of people at the back and she swam over and everybody reached up their hands to touch her. But when I reached my hand out, she dropped something into my hand. I, I didn't get to touch her. I got this, it was almost like a, like, in a dream, I didn't know what it was. And I sort of freaked out. I was like, what is that? Everybody was like, what was that? And it felt awful. Like, as soon as I touched it, it was just like pain, right? And it was kind of like a red, big red seed. Like, it was it was a very strange, you know, and it felt alive, but it also felt like a tremendous amount of pain. I talked it over with a friend afterwards, and I realized that which what I had taken was, it felt like what I had taken was a piece of her grief, right, of her sadness, and carried it for her. This was right in the middle of the vigil. She was about 10 days in, because it was so intense, and my reaction, normally when given something from a supernatural being, is to say thank you. But in that experience, I really wanted to drop it. I didn't want to hold it. It hurt so much. And uh, and then, of course, on hindsight, I realized, of course, it was a piece of the pain that I was carrying. And I was able to talk about the dream when I was at the vigil for Tahlequah. They asked me to speak. And so I had a chance to talk about that and how it was okay to feel grief, actually, and pain. That's, uh, in fact, with what's going on in the world, it's actually, I think, probably normal to feel pain and to feel grief if not all the time certainly at times and to feel angry that those are actually good things to feel because it means you're still alive and you still care um it's kind of the flip side of of being empathic or about you know having a conscience is that you feel these things as well and maybe feel them very deeply um but that dream for me was really powerful because it was like I'd been entrusted with a 
like I was able, if I was able to hold a piece of that story or a piece of that pain uh, for myself metaphorically, it really helped me feel like I was holding space for her as she was going through her vigil, as she was doing that that work and carrying the, you know, I mean, because it was really hard to watch, but to feel like I could at least hold space for her and again, be a witness and be present and help in that way, that was something I wanted to do. Just like we would do for a human, right? If they're they're suffering, they're going through grieving for people to be around and to hold space for them and to bear witness to their pain, like to be there. It's a really old shamanic idea, this idea of bearing witness. Thank you, Rain, for sharing that. I uh, really appreciate the, both of those episodes on orcas. It just expands our knowledge and respect for animals that we share this planet with. Uh, so amazing stuff. Next, we have Jess Echemendi, who is a leathersmith, and he appears on episode 95. So he formed 174 Supply Company, which is a discussion of how grief can be transformed through creativity. Um, and after the death of his brother, Jess's trade has become the vehicle he uses to transform his grief. Enjoy. So I'm curious, talking about uh, dreams, have you ever had a dream of your brother? If so, was he riding a motorcycle? <laughs> oh, was he riding a motorcycle? That's great. <laughs> um, you know, I'm, a, I'm kind of more of a skeptical, kind of more of a skeptical person these days than I've been in the past. And so I've had one, I've had one dream that was of interest to me. It was about a year after my brother passed. Um, they, uh, I had this dream where I was being escorted by, by, I couldn't tell, I couldn't make out the, the person who was, I was on a tour and there was a person escorting my brother around a, this building. And I was, I was, they weren't able to see me, but I could see them. And they're going through different slideshows of things. And as I look into the slideshow, it's actually, actually times in my life that my brother is able to see um, through this person telling him about what's going on in my life. And I, then I end up finding out that it's actually a museum of my life that my brother was walking through and he's being escorted um, by someone I didn't, I couldn't recognize, but it was a museum dedicated to my life. And, my, and I understood in the dream that my brother was getting the lowdown on, on everything about my life, like that he was able to go through different parts of my life in this museum. And there's different different, you know, kind of like, you know, works of art in this and whatnot that he's able to see and understand what's going on in my life. It was the only dream I can say that was that I've had of my brother. Wow, that's a very interesting dream. I must say. Glad you're yeah. on the podcast. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Cool. Yeah. I, like, I wasn't able you, I wasn't able to make out the tour. Say like what are your thoughts on that dream? Like when you woke up, like what did you think about it all? I was like, what in the world was that? Because I couldn't tell who the tour guide was. It was just someone walking my brother through all these parts in my life. Like I saw like my, I saw like my future marriage. Like I saw like all these different parts of my life that my brother was walking through with this tour person. And the, the, the tour person was just holding my brother's hand, um, walking him through all this stuff that he wasn't going to be there for. But he under, he knew that he, he was there. And um, it, was, it, was a, it was the craziest dream I've ever had in my life. I was like fixed in the dream and I was just watching him walk through this museum with the tour guide and they would stop at different parts of the museum and that would be a hallmark or a road or a road, a road mark in my life. And 
the tour guide would stop to explain what this meant to my brother and then he would understand and they kept moving. And then, but it was just one museum. And then I, I, was, I had this cognitive thing in, in, in my mind that everyone has this kind of museum that our loved ones, you know, get to walk through and, and, and see these different parts of our lives that they might not be there for. That's interesting. So and that's all it, the, that, that was in the dream. Did you take it as like a visitation type experience? No, I've never, I, I'd be, I'm way too skeptical to admit anything like that. Yeah. Um, so I just don't, I, so, and then, and then the other, the other thing that I've had recently is the last year I've had um, different dreams of, of my, of my hometown in Corvallis, Oregon. And I never, I didn't want to go back there because um, there's just so much, so much memories of my brother. Um, the first year that he passed, I, I went on this um, journey of retracing my brother's steps through the world. I, I traveled to Barcelona, Spain. That's where my brother was inspired to become a chef. And um, I went on all, on all the tours of that he went on. I just been, you know, the past couple of years since he's been gone, I've just been doing these things where I've been visiting the places where, where he's been and as a, as a form of closure. And um, the last place on my list was, uh, was my hometown of Corvallis, Oregon. And um, so for the past year, I've been having these just, it was, it's, I, I've been having them so frequently. I can't say it's just like a coincidence because I've been having flashbacks of my childhood with my brother in these really specific places in Corvallis. And this last weekend was the, I went back for the first time in 13 years. And I, I went back and visited all these places, like our first house in Oregon and our second house and our, our elementary school and our middle school and all these different places that have so much meaning to me in my life and the roots of 174. And um, I went up there thinking I was going to go up there and meet with my brother. And I ended up walking away, um, going up there and reconnecting with myself, um, like the kid version of, of myself who still lives there. And um, it's been the most completing experience probably since I lost my brother three years ago. Our last question as we wrap up the podcast is if you could have a dream of your brother tonight, what kind of dream would you want to have of him? Oh, the reunion. The reunion, yeah. The, I have a photo on my, in my phone of of my brother kind of looking out in on a, the last photo shoot we got of him looking out, and it's just him looking out. And I just feel like that's going to be the sight that I see when I step into whatever's after this, or if there is anything after this, I don't know. But um, you know, that would be the dream would be would be that reunion, and I'd, uh, that'd be a very sweet dream. Cool. So where do you want it to be? Um, the, that, that's the, uh, I think it was taken in Oregon. It was, a, it was snow, it was a snowy, so, snowy setting. And, um, that would be the, the scene that I walk into would just be into that photo and my brother looking out and I walk up right beside him and say, you owe me a beer, you know, <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know? <laughs> that's what I'd say to him. <laughs> you know, <laughs> that's funny. So, what beer would he get you? Is there <laughs> what beer do you have? He's drinking? We were cheap. We, we we were cheap. Probably Coors Light. You know. So that's <laughs> you know. And it's funny because my dad. So what happened is, you know, as one seven four got bigger um, and continues to grow, my dad wanted to get on board to kind of have his hands in the process. So um, he stitches along. That's why we have two machines now because he stitches alongside me. Oh, and so man. it's kind of cool. So a piece that. So a piece that someone gets goes through my hands, the brother's hands, that all goes through my, also goes through my father's hands as well. 
Thank you, Jess, for sharing your grief dream along with a dream that you'd like to have of your brother. Uh, really creative grief dream um, in the museum, telling your life story. I've never heard of anything like that. Um, and it's amazing to hear something so unique. Next, we have Devin Christian, and she appeared on episode 98, the special Grieving Over the Holidays episode, and uh, amazing stuff. Shout out to Jade and Joshua for doing a great job on that episode, along with Devin. A lot of knowledge, a lot of information on that one. And uh, it's just a short little, short little dream that she'd like to have um, that we're sharing with you today. So enjoy that. And thank you for listening. We're going to wrap up very soon. So what dream would you want to have this Christmas if you could? If I could have a Christmas dream, you know what? I really would love, the dream I would love to have is to have, be at my grandfather's Christmas table in his house that he used to live in and having everybody there. We never really mixed both sides of the family with Christmas dinner because the families were so large, but I would really love a dream where everyone was just in the same house and we were all sitting around the same Christmas table and telling everyone about our lives, what we've been doing, you know, haven't seen you so long, what have you been up to? And and just sharing in that and the laughter that would come and just the comfort of being in that same kitchen. Mm. That would be the best dream. I'm curious, so what kind of food's on that table? <laughs> well, um, it kind of changed as the years went. Um, I mean, traditionally it was sort of that North American traditional Christmas dinner, but as the years went on, people really got tired of having multiple Christmas dinners. So we kind of ended up having like this appy seafood night that um, ended up turning into our Christmas dinner that ended up being, you know, really diabetic friendly as my grandfather got older. So yeah, I'm not really sure what kind of meal that would be in the dream, but uh, probably a mixture of both, but really it would just be about the comfort of the people. I think. <laughs> That's cool. I like that. And then would you want everyone to be the same age they would, they were when they died or would you want them to all be younger probably the age they were when they died hmm. that's cool i think that would only because if some people were younger i don't know if i would remember them the same way right yeah i see pictures of my grandfather and then the man that he was that i remember it didn't match for me oh that's um, funny so I think if we were younger, I wouldn't know who was sitting at the table. That's funny. You have to do introductions. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and how old are you in this street, right? How old are you now? Yeah. I like that. And I guess the last question uh, that I have anyways is, do you want it to be a white Christmas? I am a sucker for a white Christmas. And in BC here, we don't always have a white Christmas in the lower mainland. So yes, I'm definitely a white Christmas hopeful. Wow, it was really fun putting all those together. Um, I had a good time, and uh, it also gives us a chance to kind of listen to some of those old episodes. Yeah, it's always fun, see, like, as I said in the beginning, about actually hearing some of this stuff from just a couple months ago and how great it was. And, and you get to remind yourself on what amazing guests we've had on and what amazing dreams we've 
heard. And hopefully you guys enjoyed that, hearing that. And if you want to sort of, if you found any of those dreams or those people that connected to you, go back and listen to the episode if you haven't. Yeah, absolutely. Looking forward to the next uh, interviews we get to do. And, um, you know, each one is amazing. So that'll be awesome coming in this new year. Yeah. So just wrapping up. If you don't know, go to griefdreams.ca to know more about the topic, about you know everything that, about us. And we have Instagram and Twitter, at Grief Dreams. If you want to join the Grief Dreams Facebook group and share some of your dreams that you've had or even maybe ones you've heard from others, uh, that's the place to do it. So uh, go there. Uh, other than that, Sean, anything else? Yeah, that's amazing. And also, I'd just like to add that, you know, there's a donate option on the website, griefstreams.ca. So if you feel like donating, uh, please do. Yeah, that's, that's all. That's all. <laughs> that's all I got. All right, if you like to say, <laughs> with love and gratitude from us to you. introduced myself you have introduced yourself this is a very good conversation